0: Imagine what would happen if every neighborhood in our nation was covered in prayer. Our country would be entirely different. That's why the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association of Canada is asking you to join in the Prayer Walk Challenge. It's as easy as taking a walk, and we have resources to help you. Will you invest in your neighbor's eternity by taking the challenge? Learn more at prayerwalkchallenge.ca. That's prayerwalkchallenge.ca.
1: I want to begin the broadcast today with Romans two four. Don't you know it's God's kindness that leads one to repentance? John, you've heard me share that from time to time I here mean, at Focus on more than one occasion. <laughs> yes, and I so appreciate it that you refer to that important passage so much. Well, it's because I think it's so powerful. I think it's a tool we have in our arsenal as Christians that the enemy of our soul can't compete with. He cannot compete with God's love and kindness. And the problem is we don't use that tool often enough. In the flesh, we don't want to respond with kindness or love. We want to uh, conquer. We want to win the debate, whatever. Uh, we may feel entitled to being upset, and so we sometimes overlook the importance of kindness. Today, we want to talk about the power of
0: kindness and how it changes relationships. Yeah, and this is uh, very important for any relationship, but particularly in marriage. By the way, this is Focus on the Family with Jim Daly. I'm John Fuller, and our guest today is Shanti Feldon. She's been on this broadcast many times and is a very popular speaker, a best-selling author, a social researcher, and Uh, Much of what uh, Shanti does is intended to help you have better relationships. Shanti has also written a book called The Kindness Challenge, 30 Days to Improve Any Relationship. We've got that. Stop by the website, focusonthefamily.ca. We recorded this conversation with Shanti a while back. Let's go ahead and hear the conversation now.
1: Shanti, welcome back to Focus.
2: It is always great to be with you. You have been
1: here maybe 12, 13, 14 times. Something like that. Yeah, we just need to get you a permanent hotel room right over here.
2: (laughs) Excellent. You know, I love these mountains here. (laughs)
1: Um, Let me ask you this. Let's start with the bigger question What is kindness?
2: You know, it's a great question because when I started to look at this, you know, all my books are based on these research studies, right? And I had seen for years that kindness had this power to transform relationships. But what is it? It seems so vague, you know? I mean, like being nice, right? It just seems – vague and you teach your kids to
1: do it but you're not even sure what it is
2: so it was interesting as i started plugging away at this i found that kindness is actually three separate things together really Mm. is what makes up kindness it's withholding being negative eliminating negativity it's finding things to praise and being positive and affirming and it's doing something Mm. it's doing an act of generosity or kindness for someone and if you do those three things, it really is transformative. And so we tested this, actually, in this research project. It was fascinating. For 30 days, we recruited – there were more than 700 people that tested this called the 30-Day Kindness Challenge. And we did all the before and after surveys and found that if you pick somebody that you want to have a better relationship with and, – and it could be somebody you already have an okay – like your spouse, you – You know, you already have have okay, yeah, (laughs) yeah. but you want it to be better. Or it could even be like your kids or the colleague that drives you nuts, you know? It's so simple. I mean, super simple. But we found that 89% of relationships improved. That is this super powerful technique, really, that you can use. And it's really the kind of kindness that Jesus asked us to have. Well, let me ask you this,
1: though, because if it's that profound and that amazing, why do we tend not to use that tool, like I said in the opening? (laughs) We tend to veer back into our own desire for bitterness or being upset or being mad at our spouse or whoever that person might be. Why do we lean that direction rather than to a healthier solution?
2: Well, I think, first of all, I think you guys hit the nail on the head. Sometimes you think it's just feels better in the moment to, you know, when somebody cuts you off in traffic, I am not going to let them, you know, I'm going to stand <laughs> it's competition, my man. competition, it's um, competition, but it rarely feels good later, yeah. right, you mm-hmm. know, and when somebody is pushing your buttons and you respond in that same way, it rarely feels good later, it might feel satisfying in the moment, you know, and, and honestly, I think that in most cases, most of us want to be kind to others. The problem, at least what I found in the research, the problem is that most of us have no idea all day long how often we are unkind, mm-hmm. and we never realize it.
1: I would think that is true, particularly in the Christian community, because we're not always good with looking in the mirror. We think we're being kind. How does a person become more acquainted with how their projecting either kindness or unkindness.
2: Okay. So here's where we come back to this 30-Day Kindness Challenge, which, by the way, I want to thank Focus for being a partner in because you guys have been one of the the main people that has helped launch this. And really, it is the way. You have to do some sort of a purposeful effort. In our case, it's the 30-Day Kindness Challenge. And if you do a purposeful effort, which in our case was those three things every day, suddenly what happens is you start to see how often, for example, you're negative. Huh. And you had no idea. And, and I'll give you an example of that. So I would have sworn when you talk about eliminating negativity, right? Yeah. I would have sworn that wouldn't be a problem for me. Like, you know, the number two and three things on the kindness challenge, I would have thought, okay, I need to work on being more affirming. Maybe I'm not as affirming as I need to be. I need to work on that. I need to work on doing more acts of generosity. Uh, But, you know, I've got that anti-negativity thing down. I'm, I'm a glass half full kind of person. I'm, you know, good at that. Oh, my word. Once I started cataloging all the types of negativity, I realized I am negative every single day because one of the types of negativity is exasperation. Oh, man. And I'm exasperated with my kids all the time. I get exasperated at Jeff all the time. And I don't realize that when you get exasperated, one of the things that you're saying is, you're an idiot. (laughs) and You would never say it out (laughs) loud like that, right? I would never say to my kids, you're an idiot. But when I get exasperated... I that's what I'm saying. And you would never know until you sat down and actually picked a person that you were going to be intentionally kind to and suddenly all this stuff comes up and you see what you need to work on.
1: Yeah, I've got two or three ways I want to go with these questions. So let me just kind of knock these off. Sure. When you look at the fruit of the spirit, you know, love, joy, peace, goodness. Kindness, mercy, mm-hmm. kindness is in there. Yeah. Um, but it seems to be an understated value in the Christian community today. And I don't know if it's modernity. We talk a lot about that. You've got cable news. You've got Ugh. a lot of input yes. coming in that sets you up against other people that don't think yeah. like you think, etc., it's very enticing because I think it appeals to our flesh, Yeah. but as a Christian, we've got to be rooted in his fruit, and it's yeah. right there for us. I'm so grateful he wrote it down for us so that we could see clearly what he was hoping for, uh, but how do we jettison that feeling like, oh, you know, kindness is a pretty soft quality. Yeah. It's hard to feel kindness is really an important attribute.
2: And it's fascinating that you put it that way because I think that that's a misunderstanding that we have. That you can't be kind and be competitive. Yes, you can. But it's how you're competitive. And you can't be kind and be strong. Yes, you can. But it's how you do it. And so, for example, I would see – back in the day, I used to write a newspaper column. And with this newspaper column, it was a debate on the issues of the day. And mm-hmm. it was me as a more conservative, evangelical believer in Jesus. And I would debate the issues with an atheist feminist of, you know, on all that sort of side of things. And we would go at it. And I found myself in this debate getting harsher and harsher and harsher. And because it was almost like that was what the culture expected. And we have to say, no, We have to say, look what Jesus did. He was in the middle of a very difficult culture and a very difficult time, and yet he never was unkind. He got angry, but he was never unkind. And it reminds me of something that when I started that column, it's sort of a long story, but when I had a sense that God was going to be leading me in to that, writing that column, and I had a sense that it was going to go further than just one little newspaper, that it was going to be nationally syndicated someday, which it eventually was. And we were in 100 newspapers, these huge newspapers around the country, back when there were still newspapers. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I still um, like newspapers. Yes. But But it's interesting. I was praying about it, and I felt this strong sense that God was saying, I am going to give you a chance to speak my truth. To a culture that desperately needs it. But if you cannot speak my truth in my love, don't do it. Wow. And I think that's something that we often miss as Christians is that, yes, his truth is crucial, but if we can't speak it in his love and his kindness, it's far better in most cases to stay silent because we can often do more damage to his way and not bring glory to him
1: right let me bring it closer to home we've touched on this issue of within the the spousal relationship this can be really difficult at times because you know that person so well and you're with each other almost every day Um, if you travel a little you may be away from home occasionally but you know each other well uh, more than anybody else in the world, right? Yeah. In terms of your spouse,
2: it's easy to take them for granted, and
1: that's the whole point. You <laughs> no. took the words right out of my mouth oh, because sorry. that. Well, but that's where that's where it goes. Um, you tend to treat them differently than you treat neighbors and friends, and maybe even extended family members. And I'm sure many couples know that conversation. It's how could you treat them better than you treat me? Yeah. And I know people listening are going, "Yes, I had that conversation with my husband yesterday." Why is it that we take for granted those who are closest to us and we overextend kindness to people who, in the end, don't really have a lot to do with us in the long run?
2: It's a hard answer, but honestly, it's because we care about what other people think about us more then, we care about what our spouse thinks of us, we want yeah. other people to view us well. Yeah. Our spouse is already married, he has to stick with it, you know, or yeah. she has to stick with it, and we don 't realize that honestly, everything that God has given us is something to be grateful for, and so often our lack of kindness is because we feel entitled yeah. let 's just be honest, we feel entitled to whatever the other person is giving Selfish. right it 's selfish yeah. it 's awful, and it's one of, it's honestly it is one of the reasons that it makes such a difference when you say, I'm going to purposefully do this. You know, I'm going to actually take, you know, time and try to figure out how to be kind to this person because suddenly you start seeing your own stuff instead of always seeing the other person's sure. stuff, which is, oh, it's so easy. It is so easy. Okay,
1: John, you are a nice person. You're a kind person. Do you It's not get, the same. Do you ever get pushed <laughs> to the point, though? I mean, I think I see it sometimes in you when you're getting... Throttled a little bit. Do you get? Oh, I lose t- it. Do
0: you lose it? Do you yeah. like hold it in? And then, I cannot imagine. Do you hold Fuller it in and then bubble it. out? Uh, I have moments where I erupt, and I grew up in a family where that was kind of the standard. You just you blow up and then you get over it, right? I mean, yeah. kind of a German Irish approach to life, where you bury it, you you spill it all out there. I've I've tried to work on that, and I think God has done a remarkable thing in my heart. But no, I I, you know, I then, can. I can give something some thought and then kind of rise with indignation and be upset about it and then shoot back. Or sometimes yeah. I think what you're talking about is I don't think about it. I just shoot back.
1: <laughs> <No>. <laughs> you know, I mean, I it's, know. It's, it it's really is. people were are very kind.
0: You. And I just know sometimes,
1: uh, even if we're talking, sometimes I'm rubbing you the wrong way. <laughs>
0: well, that's because we're so close, Jim. And true. it's hard that's to be true. kind to the people we're around, right? Uh. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Focus on the Family. Let's resume now with the balance of today's programming.
2: I remember just getting like really panicky, like, no, I have to figure this out right now because my my son's going to come home from school in like two hours and I have to know what to say.
1: When Holly's son was considering suicide, she called a Focus on the Family counselor.
2: All those years I'd been listening to Focus, I was thinking about how they were like that practical guide for me. That was sound advice I could get from them. I didn't really know where else to turn.
1: I'm Jim Daly. Working together, we can rescue hurting parents like Holly and give families hope.
2: We need the truth that Focus on the Family brings into our minds and into our homes. We need that if we're gonna raise up the next generation of believers to walk in obedience and to walk in the truth that God loves us.
1: Donate by calling 800 A Family or visit focusonthefamily.ca/give.
0: Word of mouth is the best kind of promotion, and Deeks Insurance is proud to list word of mouth as a secret to their success. Serving the faith-based community with tailored plans and preferred rates for home and auto insurance, Deeks knows the importance of a good reputation which is why so many customers refer their friends and their family to Deeks insurance, a licensed insurance brokerage since 1981. If you can't wait to find out from someone else, then visit DeeksInsurance.ca to get started with a quote Deeks insurance, where family matters. This focus on the family broadcast will continue in just a moment.
2: You know, John, you mentioned something about when those times you want to explode, and it's so common that people will ask me, but isn't that better sometimes that you let the steam out of the kettle so that the kettle doesn't explode, you know? And it's funny because actually I would have thought that, and it turns out that that is completely inaccurate neurologically. It tur- we all have bought into this idea that it is better to let a little steam out of the kettle. And actually what brain scientists have found in recent years is all that that does when you vent about someone, you know, I maybe speak nicely to you. When Jim pushes your buttons, you might speak nicely to him. But then you go home and you go to your wife and you're like, oh, I can't believe what he did today, right? Or you're mad at your husband or you're mad at your wife and you can be sweet to them and then you go to the office and you talk about them. them. It turns out that the brain scientists have found that all that does is it further activates the brain's anger system. And and it actually – what it does is it's more like turning up the heat under the kettle. It turns it when up and When you're venting. Up. When you're venting. It just turns <laughs> it up further and further and further and makes it worse and worse and worse. And instead, that's one of the reasons why as we started studying what it means to be kind and the fact that one piece of that puzzle is to not be negative and not even speak negatively about someone to someone else – is that it turns out that that is like reducing the heat or like taking the pot off the stove all, altogether because what happens is as you stop going to your wife and complaining about Jim or complaining about your spouse hey, to somebody else. Yeah, how did that <laughs> become something? Yeah. Um, as you do that, what happens is you start noticing the positive about that person more. When you are unable to say something negative, about somebody, and you have to find something positive to say, you start seeing those things more. They were always there. It wasn't like they're just new. They were always there. You just didn't notice them.
1: Let me ask you this with the gender side. I know there's always exceptions, the 80-20 rule. And I know somebody will say, I'm not that way, Jim. And I, I get that. But there typically are generalities. And do you find that in this area with male and femaleness that Males have a certain way of dealing with kindness, and women have a a different way of dealing with kindness or expressing kindness. Uh, Let me give you an example. I think Jean is terrific. She is really good about capturing the desire to always want to express kindness. And of course, I can come along, and I'll make a comment here, or I'll make a comment there. That no. kind of erodes <laughs> that desire in her heart to be kind. So I'm actually, we're all tracking with you, tearing today. down. I hope so. <laughs> we are, you know, kind of tearing down her desire to be kind. Yeah. Um, how, how does that interplay? I guess is the question I'm asking. How, how do we mess it up in our marriages when you have good-hearted people trying to do the right thing, but we tend to tear each other down?
2: Yeah, it's a, well, it's part of that thing of we have no idea every day how often we're unkind. And we would never in, intend to, and I 'll and I'll give you an example of one of the different ways that we found that men and women handle this differently, because you know that keeps that's where my heart tends to go back to is all that gender stuff from my research. But I actually found, for example, if you are trying to express affirmation to somebody. It tends to be that you tend to give the type of affirmation you would want to receive. And so for women, it's all about, oh, honey, I love you, you know, and doing these, you know, loving, sweet, kind things for their husband to show love. And it doesn't come naturally to our lips to say, oh, thank you so much. Oh, I really appreciate what you did. You know, thank you for unloading the dishwasher, you know, and I, I that was, I really appreciate that you did that. You Whereas think more for, like,
1: I've been waiting 50 years for you to do yeah, that.
2: Yes, exactly. <laughs> well, and for a woman, it doesn't come naturally to say thank you. Well, it turns out that that, for a guy, that's the kind of affirmation and praise that he most needs. That is the kindest thing that you can do for your husband, is notice that he took the stuff out of the dishwasher. But the, for guys saying thank you and these sort of words of appreciation, they come Come naturally to a guy, but I'm sorry, guys. Saying, "Oh, honey, thank you so much for unloading the dishwasher." That is not the type of love and kindness that is going to most hit your wife. It's
1: kind of sounding like you gave her a blender for your anniversary. Kind of. <laughs> exactly. It's almost as bad. And, and instead,
2: it does make a difference. We, it, it was again. It was fascinating as we started to learn about the types of things that allowed us to give praise or not allowed us to give praise. One of the big obstacles is that you. You're giving the type you would want to receive, but it's going to be different for your husband and for your wife.
1: What in the research that you saw, and maybe even in some of the examples with those you talked to, and they took the 30-day challenge, what result came on the back end of that? Did you see some people that were having real difficulty in their marriages see a, a flower, see something new, something fresh, something spring in their relationship?
2: That's a great way of putting it. Yeah, it was... This was one of the things that almost made me cry. I was so excited when I saw some of the results come back, because there was a whole study group of, of people out of that 700 that there were about 25 people who were doing it because their spouse had had an affair. Ah. And they were trying to recover mm. from the worst possible betrayal and trying to recover from very, very difficult season in their life and in their marriage. And some people just had a very hard time. And they were all people who, the spouse was repentant generally. You know, it wasn't that, you know, they were trying to push a boulder uphill that wasn't, you know, willing to be pushed. There were some people who had a very hard time forgiving and dropped out of mm-hmm. the study, as you can imagine, because it does require forgiveness. Yeah. Um, but of the people who stuck with it, there were some dramatic changes because, again, it, It doesn't just – when you do the 30-day kindness challenge, it doesn't just impact the other person, and it doesn't just help the relationship. It changes you, and you start to see ways that you had actually been adding to things, even though obviously the choices they made were awful, but that you had actually been hurting the relationship you were trying to heal, And seeing how negative you were, and seeing, for example, the exasperation, Mm -hmm. you know, and or seeing the the things that you had no clue that you know maybe your sarcastic nature was getting in the way, and he wasn't joking, you know. (laughs) Yeah, my eyes (laughs) are. You don't know what I'm talking about, yeah, yeah. (laughs) You're sticking me with a knife. And and there are so many of these things that 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 the average person can learn, even in the face of. Very, very difficult situations. That's very transformative. Well,
1: and you've used, I mean, that's perhaps ground zero, that kind of an example where there's been an affair. Uh, When you were saying that, I literally sensed people going, well, she has every right to be upset and not to be kind. And again, here we are in the body of Christ for the most part. I know we have some listeners who are not in a relationship with Jesus, we would hope that you would get there soon. <laughs> but that that's really, for us as Christians, it's one of the core tenets of our faith. How do we show that kind of kindness in the most nitty-gritty difficulties in our relationship?
2: Well, and I'll tell you, and it's not just the betrayal of a spouse, which is obviously the biggest personal betrayal. Right? Even but God
1: says for that reason, you have a way out. But, yeah, but but other things, too.
2: Probably every person listening to this can identify with those occasions where we are being mistreated, where mm-hmm. where a boss is being cruel, right? It's not just not being nice to you, but actively mistreating. There's active injustice. My, you know, your your mother in law, your step parent, or whoever it is. There, this is a difficult relationship, legitimately for a reason. And yet, what to me one of the touchstones was when I started looking at this and realizing what we're called to. And I looked more closely at the Sermon on the Mount, and I looked more closely at what all of us have sort of known as the golden rule, you know, do unto others as you have them do unto you. You look at that. We all teach that to our kids. We all want to live by that. But here's the hard truth. In context, what Jesus is saying, he's talking about when you are mistreated. And so in context, what he's saying is, do unto others as you'd have them do unto you, it's actually treat others who are not being kind to you in the kind and generous way you wish they were treating you. It's even harder. It's even more challenging than just, oh, be nice to others the way you'd want them to be nice to you. No. That is in the face of injustice.
1: So perceptive. And often when I speak to groups, I'll mention Luke 6. Yeah. And the, the golden rule, there's a couple of paragraphs before that is stated that kind of put the parameters around it. And you're right if someone takes something from you. He goes through a list of bad behavior toward you. It's not the nice guy. It's not the neighbor that'll give you a cup of sugar. It's the one who's going to scorn you and tell you to get off the lawn. And I really don't like your kids (laughs) playing over here and tell them next time to pick up their trash because it's blowing on my side of the street. It's the guy you don't want to talk to. That's who he's talking about.
2: Absolutely, That's the guy you got to
1: be kind toward. Well,
2: that's when he says, if you're nice to people who are nice to you, uh, yeah, so what good what is, what good is yeah. that? No, Even sinners do that. He is specifically yeah. challenging those of us who follow him, specifically, not really giving us an out to say, and in those bad mistreatment, somebody is being mean, somebody is being cruel, your husband is being unkind, your wife is treating you with scorn, that you should absolutely treat them. In the kind and gentle and generous way you wish they were treating you. And he honors that. And it, oh my gosh, it transforms the relationship, it transforms you. I mean, it, it is one of those things that we have to come in our own heart to the point that we can say, Lord, I want to be like you. I'm not very good at it necessarily, but I want to try. And so help me have the strength that I don't have in myself to speak gently to my husband when all I can do is picture these mean things he's done to me or to speak with kindness to my wife and listen to her when I feel like she's layering scorn on my, mm. on my head. Mm. And because if you don't, that really is conditional. That is conditional love.
0: We've been hearing from Shanti Feldhan today on Focus on the Family, encouraging us to practice kindness in all of our relationships. And her book, again, is called The Kindness Challenge, Thirty days to improve any relationship.
1: And John, uh, taking the kindness challenge drives us back to the fruit of the spirit. This is the character of God, and I love those kinds of challenges that are rooted in Him. And we want to encourage you to take the kindness challenge. We'll provide a link online for you to do just that.
0: It is a thirty-day challenge, and you can find the details at FocusOnTheFamily.ca. And while you're at the website, get a copy of Shanti's book, The Kindness Challenge. Donate and get your copy of that book at focusonthefamily.ca or call 1-800-THE-LETTER-A-AND-THE-WORD-FAMILY. Well, join us next time as we hear from Deborah Paget speaking about overcoming a heritage of unforgiveness and how that impacted her life.
1: We say, I want to forgive, but I just can't. No, you can't. So resign trying to in your own strength. You don't need a New Year's resolution. You can't count to ten. You gotta say, God help me. You gotta spot me on this.
0: On behalf of Jim Daly and the entire team, thanks for joining us today for Focus on the Family. I'm John Fuller, inviting you back as we once more help you and your family thrive in Christ.